And uh, we see that uh, a bit like when uh, the children of Israel would look back and Moses would encourage them to see all the way that the Lord their God had left them. You can see God's hand upon Abbey Church to see all the way that the Lord our God uh, has led us. And he's blessed us in, in so many ways. Um, but I'm sure, <laughs> and certainly it is the heart of the elders, that we would see him at work in even greater ways uh, as we look forward uh, into the future, both in our own lives, in the life of the church, and spreading out uh, into the community. Uh, and for this to happen, perhaps what it is, is that we need to become more open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church. Uh, in recent months, the elders have been giving uh, some thought to this, and uh, today we're going to be starting a series that takes us through to the end of November. Uh, we take out one Sunday, November 17th, which will be uh, World Vision Sunday. Uh, and, uh, and then in this series we will take, be taking a look at the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit over the, the next few weeks. And that series will uh, culminate with uh, uh, the ultimate mission of the Holy Spirit. So we look forward to God speaking to us by his spirit uh, in these coming weeks and uh, today we're going to take a look at the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit now we read from the Acts uh, uh, there at the beginning but just to pick up a little bit uh, uh, before that first of all uh, let's just take a look uh, at Jesus now, if we look first of all at Jesus himself, we know that as Christians, uh, our example in all things is no less than Jesus. Uh, we read in uh, Peter's first letter, uh, first letter uh, he has left us an example that we should follow his steps. We should follow his steps. And therefore, Jesus is our example in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, on that slide up there, I've just summarized very briefly. I mean, it's not comprehensive, but this is just sort of uh, by way of example. Summarize uh, the ways in which we see the Holy Spirit was manifest in the life of Jesus. First of all, in the fundamental desire uh, for his mission when he was down here upon earth, that ultimately, at the end of it all, he could say that he had done the will of his Father. And periodically, throughout his ministry, we know he would say, I do always those things uh, that please the Father. I, I've come not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Wonderfully on the cross, he says, it's finished, it's finished. He completed the will of his father. And then in his character. Is, the, is it my fault for where this is? Or? It should be fine. Okay. It seems a bit fancy. <laughs> um, yeah, in his character, it was that he came to reveal the father. Uh, and uh, he could say on occasions, that uh, when people would say to him, uh, well, show us the Father. 
and he would say, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And perfectly, Jesus told that. In power of the Holy Spirit, the heart and the character uh, of his Father. Not only in his life, but also in his death. His desire was to be obedient to the Father. Obedient to the Father. Even in Gethsemane, you know, where there was that final wrestling that seemed to go on uh, within his soul. In the end, he says, um, it's not my will, but it's yours that is to be done for him to go through with the cross. And so in his life and death. And then if we look at his ministry, his ministry was uh, characterized by what he said and what he did. And so he wanted always to say those things that please the Father. He wanted always to do those things that please the Father. And in the circumstances of life, to be able to honor the Father. So, all the way through, it was pleasing the Father, honoring the Father, revealing the Father. And all of that empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, just to get a taste of that, let me just read to you. You need not turn to it. Um, from uh, Luke uh, chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 21. Uh, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, and he was the son, so it was thought, uh, of Joseph, uh, and, and so on. Then it's chapter 4. Then, immediately following that, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He had nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Verse 13 and 14, the end of that episode, the end of the temptation, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside, and he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Just a brief taster how in a very critical moment, and we, this was in our home group uh, material last Wednesday, of how in a very critical moment in the life of Jesus, um, after his baptism, when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he was led of the Spirit, he was empowered of the Spirit, and, and he overcame in the power of the Spirit and resisted, resisted uh, Satan. And giving us an early taster, a foretaste of what would ultimately be achieved on the cross when he would destroy him that had the power of death, that is, uh, the devil. So then, let's think about uh, briefly the coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, we've read this morning that preparing the way for Jesus. John the Baptist said that he baptized with water, but Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Go on to John 16, Jesus uh, explained to his disciples, and bear in mind that this is the upper room ministry, this is just before Calvary, 
and uh, the, the occasion of celebration of the Passover and the introduction of what we call communion, breaking of bread, how we remember the Lord Jesus. In John 16, Jesus explained to his disciples that he would be going away, but he would send the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, at the time of the ascension, Jesus is with his disciples, and he gives them their final instructions. And they're in Jerusalem for the gift his father had promised and that he had spoken about when they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses. Then at Pentecost, the Spirit comes, first to the apostles, and then Peter preaches, and uh, there are those 3,000 who respond to his message. The message was to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then as you read on in the book of the Acts, you find several references to the apostles and others who come to faith in the Lord Jesus who are being described as full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this showed itself in many wonderful ways. Their boldness to proclaim the gospel, even to the point of persecution, being prepared to be persecuted when they were scattered. Um, it showed itself in healings and miracles. And uh, it showed itself in character, uh, in the stoning, the martyrdom of Stephen. When Stephen, who is described in his martyrdom as being full of the Holy Spirit, is so Christ-like in his death. And, and you put the two alongside each other, and Stephen was so Christ-like in his death, in his attitude towards them who were uh, taking his life at that time. And so as you read it through, it seems to me that you've got these three key expressions. We find the Holy Spirit being described as a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> now, it seems to me quite clear from the Bible, and I'm sure it's our common understanding amongst us here in Abbey Church, that when I become a Christian, not only do I receive forgiveness of my sins through faith in Christ, and with that the gift of eternal life, but I also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell within me, take up residence within me, um, and uh, that happens when I place my faith in the Lord Jesus. When it comes to the baptism, of the Holy Spirit. This is an area, of course, where we find that Christians hold uh, different views. And uh, when you start to then look to Bible teachers and commentaries and things like that to help you in this area, um, you will find that uh, for all their learning and knowledge and great understanding of the Word of God, 
um, you will find those differing views reflected there. And what you will find are that those with differing views hold them having read the same scriptures and hold their, what they believe, their line, with equal uh, conviction in their understanding of the Bible. And it seems to me that the main difference, I'm sure there would be other differences as well, but the main difference regarding this matter of baptism of the Holy Spirit is, uh, it is whether it occurs when I become a Christian, when I actually place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that the gift and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are regarded as taking place at the same time, or may actually be one in the same thing. Or, it is some subsequent occasion when uh, I may have a special experience of the Holy Spirit. And on those occasions, it may or may not be accompanied with other phenomena, like speaking in tongues, or um, passing out, often referred to as slain uh, in the spirit. Interestingly, often those that hold to the former view right, that the gift and the baptism of the spirit takes place at conversion when I become a Christian, those Christians can go on to have subsequent special experiences of God. It's simply that they regard them as that. That is what they are, special experiences of God. But perhaps those that hold the latter view, that your baptism with the Spirit is subsequent to when you became a Christian, that special experience of God seems to be what is regarded as the baptism of the Spirit. Although those Christians actually will then go on, like other Christians, to have special experiences of God, except that they don't have a label on them in that way. And uh, that seems to me to be the main fundamental difference over this matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it would not surprise me at all, and I strongly suspect, that we have got Christians of both views here at Abbey, because we are a pretty wide and broad church. The sad thing is that if we look at church history, um, this issue has been the source of division within the church. And that is always sad when that occurs. But surely, should it not be that uh, it is a wonderful thing that God by his spirit should come to dwell within us as believers in the Lord Jesus. Shouldn't that be the over thing, overriding thing that we are rejoicing in? That God by his spirit does come and take up residence in our lives when we respond to him uh, in, in faith. Like there's been a lot of division over the coming again of Jesus. And that has been a source of division in the church over the years. <coughs> the churches are split and divided over it. 
instead of rejoicing in that wonderful thing that Christ is coming again, that we're going to be with him, and we're going to be like him. Now, when we celebrate Christmas, we think then of the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. But when Jesus was here and said, you know, I'm going to go away, but if I go away, then the Spirit will come to you. He didn't say the Spirit will be there to be with you, like I, Jesus, am with you now. Wonderful that that is. He said it's going to be in you. He's going to be in you. And uh, in his life here upon earth, uh, Jesus had a physical body, except for after his resurrection, which was a resurrection body. Uh, that's what I believe. And so as he moved around prior to his death, if he was with three of the disciples and uh, nine of them were somewhere else, he couldn't physically be with them. But in the Holy Spirit, each of us can receive the Holy Spirit. So as we separate this morning and go our separate ways, and that is the week, we go with the Holy Spirit within us to empower us and live within us as witnesses for Jesus Christ. This, of course, when we recognize this against the background of church history um, and the potential for division, means that as believers, with perhaps potentially, almost certainly, differing points of view and understanding on this in Abbey Church, this is a key area where if we differ, then we need to show grace. We need to show grace. And we need to bear with one another. Because surely if all these Bible commentators and Bible teachers with all their great Bible knowledge cannot come to a definitive, I don't understand how I can either. Although I do favor one particular approach because it seems to me that that is the strongest line that the scripture would support. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to agree to differ, to bear with one another <coughs> in grace, and rejoice in the fact that God, by the Holy Spirit, as I've been saying, does take up residence within us, and that is for a purpose. Paul said in Corinthians to that as believers, we have all been baptized by one Spirit into the body of Christ. Regardless of our views on baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have all been baptized by one Spirit into the body of Christ. So then, what about the fullness of the Holy Spirit? If we could move on to that. Jesus said, and we read it together, that his disciples uh, were going to be his witnesses when he had gone. There was a sense in which he was passing the baton uh, onto them. Uh, and the baton is being passed on down through the generations of the Christian church. And now it comes to us. It's uh, our day. It's our generation. The baton, folks, is with us. And we are the ones now that are to be witnesses uh, in the world. Some while ago now, uh, I went to uh, a conference where Stuart Briscoe uh, was speaking. Not all of you may have heard of Stuart Briscoe, 
Uh, he, a few years back, he's retired now, but in his day he was uh, a leading uh, Bible teacher over here in the UK. He was invited to go to America uh, to take on a church, and it turned out to be, in the end, one of these you know, mega churches that you have in America. And uh, very good, excellent uh, Bible teacher and speaker. And uh, at this conference on the weekend, he, he, he was taking his teaching from the book of the Acts. And he says, when you simply look in your Bible at, at uh, what you find is the title for the book of the Acts, he says, it varies from version of the Bible to version of the Bible. You might simply have a version of the Bible that when you come to the end of John and announces the arrival of Acts, you simply have Acts. That's what it's called, the book of the Acts. Or some versions of the Bible would call it the Acts of the Apostles. Other versions of the Bible would call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. He says, but I would like to suggest that it could also be called the Acts that Jesus continued to do through his people, the church. The Acts that Jesus continued to do through his people, the church. Gospels record for us what Jesus said, what Jesus did. The baton was passing over to the apostles, the Holy Spirit was coming to empower them in their task that they had to perform in their day and generation. And Jesus was now going to be working through them by the power of the Holy Spirit that it would come. And now we are the church in our day, uh, in generation. And of course, we cannot do this in our own strength, as we've been saying. We desperately need God's help. But sometimes we think we can do it in our own strength. And that is a delusion. That is a lie of Satan. Jesus said here to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. And now that he is not here, without God's spirit, we can do nothing that is effective for the kingdom of God. We need to be filled with the spirit of God. Let's come to, let's come to this version, which was very similar to one that we had up for how the Holy Spirit was evident in the life of the Lord Jesus. You see, if we're going to be his witnesses, then there's that sense in which when people do us, they need to be able to see Jesus. And so when it comes to our desires, our desires should be as his, to do the will of the Father. In our character, to model Jesus, all in, in this letter, all about um, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and the, the nature that is governed by the Spirit, and uh, the, the Spirit of the, the natural, carnal nature. Uh, he says that the fruit of the sinful nature is contrary to the Spirit. What we are by nature works contrary to God and contrary uh, to the Spirit. And so, to be able to show the fruit of the Spirit, we can only do that by being filled with the Spirit. We can't replicate it. 
fruit of the Spirit has to be because of the Spirit that is within us. In our lives, we need to be obedient to the Father. And in the ministry, the work that God calls us to do, and when we use that word ministry, we're not necessarily talking about being an elder, being a speaker, um, and discounting. It, that's anything that represents our service for God, which can be at a, a simple, practical level in the church. What we do to serve in all of our areas of service for God, we need to say those things that please the Father. We need to do those things uh, that please the Father. And to do that is the empowerment uh, of the Holy Spirit. And then in the circumstances of life, to be able to honour the Father. And all of that can only be achieved in us by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Paul, in his uh, letter to the Ephesians, commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And uh, I often wonder what that really means uh, in a, a profound and, and deep way and, and struggle with it. But maybe we're only intended to take that at face value, in a sense, at a simple level that when people are filled with wine then it's the wine that takes over in their in their lives it's the wine that affects their conduct it's the wine that affects what they say and uh, what they do and so on it's the wine that takes over to become the controlling factor in their lives and Paul says don't get drunk on wine. As Christians, your lives are not to be like that. Lives that become lives of debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let it be the Holy Spirit that controls. Be filled with the Spirit. And the result of that will be that you will be controlled by the Spirit and do things that correspond to the Spirit being within you. So we continually need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How then can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me read from Jesus in John chapter 7, words of Jesus, John 7 verse 37. On the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet being glorified. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
Streams of living water will flow from him. By this he meant the Spirit. I came across this on the uh, internet when I was doing some background research for this morning. A preacher of another era, F.B. Mayer, that some of the that are more senior amongst us uh, will, will know as a speaker, a Bible teacher, as a writer, as a commentator of the Bible. Epimer <coughs> told how he desperately sought the filling of the Holy Spirit. He knew he was indwelt by the Spirit, but he could not seem to receive the Spirit's help for ministry. He said he left a meeting was walking wearily through the night praying, seeking what he lacked. <clears throat> and he said, Lord, if there is anyone who needs the filling of the Spirit, it is I. But I am too tired, too nervously run down, to agonize, too weary to tarry. And yet I need the Spirit's refreshment so desperately. that he said, it was as if he heard a voice saying, <clears throat> as you took forgiveness from the hand of the dying Saviour, so you may take the refreshment of the Spirit from the hands of the ascended Christ. Then in simple faith he said, I then took for the first time and have been taking ever since. We receive the benefits of the cross by faith. We also receive the benefits of the ascension by faith, namely the fullness of the Spirit. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. A.W. Tozer, another uh, eminent Christian speaker, writer, commentator of a similar era, not too many years ago, said the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. So then, this morning, Abbey Church may be filled with the Spirit. Now, just a brief uh, comment before I stand down and Paul concludes for us this morning. Um, in your home group material, um, if you do get a chance to look at it before Wednesday evening and at least uh, read some of the scriptures, um, that little bit of homework, I think, might be beneficial uh, both for you uh, and uh, for your group. I'm not asking you to sit down for hours and get out tones and uh, go delving all over the internet, the resources that are there to do it, but just to sit down and to become familiar with the scriptures might just be that little bit helpful uh, for uh, Wednesday. Be filled with the Spirit. Thank you. Dear.